Welcome to The Machine, a computer science education podcast from the Southeast Technological University of Ireland. I'm your host, Rob O'Connor, from the Department of Computing and Mathematics at ACTU. We surprise dropped an episode yesterday following on from a very engaging presentation at Computing Week in the university. I was talking with Gary Keneally and Sharia Saniel from Unum about how AI is changing the ICT workplace. That's available now and I can see from the metrics that some people have actually listened to it. So thank you very much. Uh, Well, I'm following that up today with another episode based around a talk that we had this morning from Red Hat software engineer Mark Campbell about getting started with your own AI. This podcast is probably more aimed at computer scientists than yesterday's. Um, I was very impressed with Mark's AI demonstration that he performed on stage. He had a Gen AI system with a fairly useful data model all running locally on his laptop. And honestly, I couldn't have even imagined that a few years ago. So there were some great questions from students after the talk, and I thought, I've, I've got to nab this guy for a podcast. Uh, we went for a quick cuppa and were joined by another Red Hatter, Dimitri Saradakis. Now, both of the lads are recent enough graduates of SETU, and I get a genuine buzz from seeing how their knowledge and skills are growing and their careers are progressing. And I learned a lot from our conversation, and they've given me plenty to think about when it comes to developing some AI systems myself. Now, in the podcast, we talk about Red Hat's OpenShift, some custom large language models, uh, quantized data sets, and how someone would go about building their own AI. Uh, Towards the end, we get into some regulatory, ethical, and moral questions. Not too many answers, though. So, without further ado, here's Mark and Dimitri. So, my name is Dimitri Saradakis. I am a team lead on um, on a product at Red Hat called OpenShift AI, um, focusing predominantly on distributed training of large, mo- la- of large language models, any kind of model realistically, any kind of AI ML model. Um, and I am an ex-applied computing, what's now known as, as computer science, I believe, a uh, student out of here, so a couple of years ago. Excellent. It's lovely to be back. Excellent. Well, you're always welcome and uh, I hope the coffee is still okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, uh, yeah, thanks for having me as well. Uh, so my name is Mark Campbell. Uh, I'm actually on the exact same team as Dimitri and Red Hat. And I'm an associate software engineer and former software systems development student. Excellent. And you're only gone out of the place uh, less uh, than a year? Since May, yeah. Okay, great. So you're uh, fair play to you. And you came back to deliver a talk yeah, I- in the auditorium. Right, before we get into the contents of the talk, I just have to ask you, as somebody who's, who's a very recent graduate, how did it feel to... Be, I won't say it was a packed auditorium, but it was a half full auditorium, which was very good. Like, you know, because it's hard to get students to go to anything. But there was still a lot of people, probably more people than you've ever spoken to publicly before. Oh, yeah. How did that feel? Yeah, so it was very weird because um, the last presentation I gave was for my final year project in front of, I think, seven people. Okay. And so <laughs> that's quite a big jump uh, considering... But I think I was more worried before I actually got up on stage. And then I was like, oh, you know, it's fine. I, I rehearsed anyway. So I, I was I was OK in the end. Yeah, well, I thought you did excellent. And you even fielded some tough questions too as well, which we'll get to uh, in the next few minutes. So, right. So you're both working uh, as part of this kind of OpenShift AI group. Could you maybe explain what is OpenShift AI? and How does it maybe fit into the overall model of the kind of stuff that Red Hat do? Yeah, so... OpenShift AI is a platform for data scientists to uh, train their models on in a cloud environment using OpenShift. Uh, So with OpenShift AI, they're able to 
gather all their data, prepare it, train it, and then serve it in a cloud environment or on-premise or even in a disconnected environment. Okay, so is the idea behind this that I can have my own LLM? When I say my own, I mean a personal one or a corporate one. I don't mean one for me, you know, with my own stuff in it. Although maybe, uh, but I could have a a customized large language model that might be fed with certain customized data, could be proprietary data, uh, and that can be, I can use it in whatever context I wish to use it. Is that it? Yeah, 100%. Okay, so I'm not just relying on the publicly available chat GPT, BARD, whatever you're having yourself models. Nope, you can go from scratch. Okay. Okay. And Dimitri, you're kind of nodding there. So do you yeah, agree with what he says? Yeah, 100%. I, I would just add, it's like, it's the whole system to it's um, to manage the model lifecycle. So from the very, very start, from um, from your data experimentation, your data collection, um, and engineering your data, getting your features and whatever, um, ready in your data sets, the whole way through to training, fine-tuning a model, um, and then ultimately for inference then afterwards as well to actually make use of the model. You you stick in, uh, stick it in front of a, an endpoint like an oh, server. Okay, now we hadn't originally, when we talked about how this talk might be structured, we didn't say that. And I kind of want to, I'm just going to push yep. you on it because I'm, I'm intrigued by it. So let's say, how does one go about doing this? So you talked about those steps there. What are those steps? What What's actually involved in creating a custom LLM, large language model? Yeah, so if we're, Take an LLM or any kind of AIML model. Realistically, um, the most in, the most important ingredient is your data set, your initial data set. Like it doesn't matter what kind of um, what, what kind of flavor of the month model you use. Um, what's the newest and, and, and coolest or whatever? If your data set that, that that model is trained on is garbage, then your output is garbage. Okay, so, so this is the idea. So the actual natural language processing is handled yeah. by 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 the algorithm, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. But then the yeah. answers that it might give you to questions is fueled by the data set. Yeah, hundred okay, percent. Cool. So yeah, the algorithm is is what like quote unquote learns, whilst the data set is what gives it the knowledge, um, the, the knowledge underneath it all. Mm. So. Again, if I go back now a year or so, whatever, and Facebook's first model was publicly available, yeah. and then it was taken by some people on, I think it was 4chan or 8chan, one of those one of those places, and turned, it was fed, uh, I'm going to say, a biased data set, okay, and it turned into a racist homophobe. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, essentially. So, so if you feed it, if I feed it silly information, it's going to give me back silly answers. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. the, the the like the issue with um and and people there was a question earlier on um in during Mark's uh, excellent talk where um the, uh, someone asked about what if we just like exclude certain terms or exclude certain things from the data set? I think mm. the issue, uh, this question, I, I wanted to kind of get, get get a little bit of an answer to because I think it's 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 quite an important one. What most people kind of don't realize is the size, just the vastness of these data sets. Like, so mm. there's a particular kind of data set that we're working with, um, like the, the, the NASA um, IBM collaboration that, that Mark also mentioned earlier um, and that data set is 250 uh, petabytes so like 250 two, petabytes yes so okay 250 million I think you you left out uh, you made a 25 not 250 so yeah oh really I thought <laughs> yeah, the initial yeah, yeah. one was but 25 regardless, oh, yeah, two, regardless yeah. yeah 250 million uh, gigabytes worth of data right so like first and foremost when you're actually trying to formulate your data set in the first place like 
the student earlier um, who was asking the question said Why, what if we just leave out the terms rob and know, bank yeah, right? Yeah. and you're kind of like yeah but perhaps that's not in that context right they're saying someone did rob a bank but this is not exactly how to do it it's how you, how you actually create this data set to be perfect when inherently human beings have biases and we are like obviously inherently not perfect right so mm. like it's it's a really really difficult problem to solve um, mm. there's also kind of an inherent I, I, to be fair to the student he, like, he was a younger student and I don't think he fully understand the whole thing about kind of uh, natural language processing because even as he was saying that I was going to pipe up well, what if you wanted to search for how does Rob me open a bank account yeah yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean it, like years and years and years ago I worked on a, a, some natural language processing and the, te- the test that we always had was about Tiger Woods uh, so it was doing searches for Tiger Woods. Now, this is back in the day where you right. had a lot of keyword searches. Mm. Uh, and if you did a keyword search on Tiger Woods, you were as likely to get an answer about a big cat in a forest uh, as you were a, a golfer. golfer. But of course, if you're searching for Tiger Woods, there's a much more higher probability that you're actually searching for something about golf mm. than a big cat in the woods. So th- now that that's... 20 years ago so that's a long long time ago that we were doing that kind of stuff so I can imagine it's come along so much further since then <laughs> obviously it has yeah. uh, but, but let's just get back to the idea of, yeah, of, sure. of building your own custom LLM so, so you're talking about the data set is 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 the secret sauce mm-hmm. uh, yeah. or, or not so secret sauce actually because yeah, anyone yeah. will tell you that yeah okay right so where but where do you go from there let's say I have a good data set whatever it might be 225 petabytes or whatever it is yeah. okay where, where does it go from there? Um, so essentially it goes through like the like initial training stage where you'll train like a foundational model. Um, and then uh, maybe Mark might speak on uh, like the difference between maybe a, fa- a foundational model or like a base model and uh, maybe something like fine tuning afterwards. Yeah. Okay, go so, for it, Mark. So like the, uh, the base model is kind of like the a general idea of what you want the future model to be. And so... From there, you would fine-tune it further for specific use cases. Um, It's kind of like the foundational model is like a Swiss Army knife, um, and a a, uh, fine-tuned model is more like an actual physical tool. Okay, so I'm trying to think of an analogy. So you're saying the base model is maybe trained on a general set of domain-specific data. So what I mean by that, let's say computer science, right, just for the sake of argument, right, I'm going to train that on a, a bunch of textbooks, uh, stuff from Stack Overflow, wh- wh- wherever the hell it might be, or okay, maybe I shouldn't be doing it on Stack Overflow, IP issues, but we won't get into that. But let's say I've, I trained it on, on, a, on a general set of publicly available computer science data. Um, but when you're saying you want to get into the fine tuning, this might be where you might want to turn it in the direction of a specific use case is it so let's say i was wanted app development right for building mobile phone apps right Uh, and i might want to put certain weightings on certain data sources to do with ios or android development is that it or am i wrong yeah so the way that i would usually describe it would be um like it's the the, for a foundational model or a base model the, the the knowledge that it has is broad but not very deep Right. So you're talking like an analogy in real life um, would be perhaps like a GP, right, like a a general practitioner. So a doctor that you go to, they kind of know a little bit about everything. But if you had like a serious skin condition, you'd go to a dermatologist, you'd go to a specialist. Right. So the excuse me, 
the fine tuning aspect would be that you you further you you have like your vast data sets which which mm. like are scraped from the from the net. You've got Wiki Commons. You've got all of like uh, the kind of like de facto kind of big massive data sets out there, and a lot of proprietary data sets too, um, which like OpenAI and so on and so forth have that their models trained on that they won't or haven't thus far released. Um, then to kind of I suppose specialize your model, that's when you get you aggregate a more like a data set that's like definitely smaller, but um, much more specialized. So you can get mm. like a data set that's created, say, from like Archive X, which would be all the like uh, papers, um, PhD papers or whatever kind of papers like surrounding computer science or like yeah. biology or whatever. Um, and then you just, you like further train the model's weights and biases on that specific data set. So that becomes now a general, uh, not not a general model, but a more specialized model. So like it knows bits about like uh, Python code or it knows about, uh, it knows about like biology or, or any of the above um, because it's like, it's it's gone through extra schooling. Yeah, okay, but that makes a lot of sense. I can see how that how that would work. So you get this base knowledge, then you fine tune it into a more specific area such that it becomes useful. Is that would yeah. that be fair enough? Uh, useful in a particular context. Yeah. Okay, so where does it go from there? Um, so from there, it kind of depends on. There's a few other bits and pieces you can do. You, like there's there's some new, uh, I suppose, techniques. And we might get into. It, we might not, depending on which way you want this to go. But um, where you can add like ephemeral data afterwards, because like the actual this whole process of as <laughs> as you like might guess, it's very compute <laughs> intensive, right? Like, yeah. It's 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 not a leave leave the laptop on for two minutes and and you know and it's done we're talking about like months and months and months of like multiple clusters mm. a cluster of servers essentially um running with the latest um gpu technology um and just at 100 percent capacity for months on end right so this this is not this is it's not a trivial thing to put together um so if you want to train a base model there's only a handful of kind of companies uh, or institutions, shall we say, shall we say, out there that actually have the the capacity or the expertise and the knowledge to do so, um, and then furthermore, like to fine tune it is is much easier. So you could actually fine tune it yourself. What so what we're seeing, I suppose, is a shift from you have like there's a ton of open source base models out there, and then anyone can kind of like take one of those and fine tune yeah. it for their specific use cases. Okay. Um, they can then further augment that by not, let's say, fine tuning, by adding, um, like, uh, turning it into a RAG application. So that would be like uh, the addition of a vector database with which you can essentially just like uh, upload any kind of, or upload, you could like throw any kind of uh, smaller data set that you want to throw at it, um, vector it, like encode that into vectors, stick it in the database, and then the LLM can query that database akin to like, your regular code querying any kind of database. So you say that's a ra what's rag? A uh, retrieval augmented generation. That's oh, okay. I, I it's it's another yeah. acronym in the world yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Of, of, of IT. Yeah, I think that's we, it, another yeah. one we can throw on the heap. Uh, okay, so and then from there, so it's where does it go? Then you have to, I suppose, expose it to mm. the user. Yeah, so it's absolutely useless unless you can actually go ahead and like query it right like mm. you, know, you have your model you have to put in all this money um, training it and all the, the data science expertise um, you need to actually stick it um, on a server behind an endpoint and 
Create from there, yeah. Yeah, and then from there, like, just hit it with prompts, depending on the kind of model it is. If it's an mm. LLM, you just prompt it using natural language. Um, other models out there, you need to you need to prompt with, like, um, JSON key value pairs or whatever the actual model is, has been trained to do. LLMs are kind of the flavor of the month, shall we say. Mm. Um, so you either there are an awful lot of things uh, let's say if you're taking like stable diffusion or mid-journey some of these like image generation models they will be a combination of models so you'll have an mm. LLM at the front um, you'll hit it with a, with a regular natural language prompt and then that will um, like it's kind of chained together with the actual image generation of uh, aspect a further model somewhere down the line in a little chain mm. um, and then that will spit out your you know glorious image of Joe Biden scratching decks or whatever it is that you want to do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very tame one, I'd say. Yeah, yes, I know yeah. what you mean. I know what you mean. Right, so going from there then, Mark, what would you say is the next step? The next step? Or sorry, well, let me ask you, uh, let me rephrase that question then because this is the way that your talk went and maybe we could bring it back to that, which is, so we're talking about these data sets are absolutely huge, right? But you did a demonstration on uh, on stage in front of the the students, where you downloaded a local uh, a local language model it was running off of your laptop. Uh, it wasn't connected to the internet, and you were able to query it, and it answered questions. Now, if we're talking about data sets that are uh, mahusive, okay, to use the the parlance of our times, how do you get massive data sets to run locally on your uh, your MacBook? So um, with these, uh, with the software I use, LM Studio, um, it's connected through Hugging Face Hub, which is a kind of like a, a repository of over, I think, 350,000 uh, open source models, which are just free to use. And mm. from there, uh, data scientists can quantize those really large uh, models and make them smaller um, at the cost of, say, efficiency and maybe accuracy as well. And from there, using a tool like LM Studio or another one, Olama, you can run these models locally on your own hardware, like I did in the presentation earlier. So you talked about quantization, about making them smaller. How much smaller can they be? I'm trying to get a sense of scale. So you talked about petabytes before. Are you down to terabytes, gigabytes? What are you into? So there's a distinction to be made from the size of the data set and the model that pops out at the end of the data set, right? So your, your data set might be 250 petabytes worth of data, but your model could be 150 gigs or 200 gigs, right? Like that's still a substantial size to like, especially for any kind of hardware to stick into memory. Mm. But um, in general, I suppose if you see like an awful lot of open source, it also depends on the actual size of the model. So you have like 7 billion parameters, you have like 38 billion parameters, you have 50, 70 billion parameters. I, I sorry, I'm just making a jump here in my head. Yeah. So when you download this is because I don't understand now, right? Yeah. So when you say you're downloading the model, the model is a, a, a already trained on the you don't need to download the data with the model. No, so I'm no. No, okay. So right, so this is the jump that I this is where I'm learning along the way. Thank yeah. you. Right. So so explain that to me then. So the model is its own self-contained trained data set, is it? It's it's a, like essentially if you want to look at it, it's like a compression of the data set that's there. Okay, yes, right? yes. So, but it doesn't have all the data behind it. It just has its trained version of it. Yes. Its own it, semantic yeah. link or whatever way it's, it's done. Exactly like, okay, like, right. like you 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 don't have access right now in your head to every single memory that that, that you know that, that you have ever lived through. Yeah, at the same time, 
the way that you think and the kind of knowledge that you do have has been learned and influenced from everything that you've done up into your life to this point. It's mm. the exact same thing. It's a compression and like it's lossy, right? Like, the, yeah, uh, some people have like <laughs> photographic memories. Other people like me have terrible memories. So like uh, you, you can't remember everything. But the model in itself is going to be like a much smaller size. Now, much smaller size is still larger. Like your regular kind of base model will take like a seven billion parameter model, which is kind of your your kind of regular Joe Soap model. Mm. Um, they're still going to be upwards, like up towards 100 gigs in size. So like to run that model locally, you'll have to do some black magic, uh, black magic. I'm not going to say the next word because it's a profanity. Okay. Um, no, but well, you can say that. It's fine. But OK, but 100 gigs is within the realms of possibility, but it's not going to be on your regular workday laptop, shall we say. Mm. But mm. it could easily be managed by a local machine if you wanted to set it up for that dedicated task. So that would be like a you know, kind of regular size, regular 7 billion uh, model, right? And uh, yeah. what Mark was alluding to earlier was like quantization. Did he say that? Yeah, yeah you use yeah. that word. I want to go back to that. But but if you just explain that again, because I think that's the key phrase, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, quantization is the, like, um, during the fine-tuning stage, you can, I don't know how technical to get here, but... Go for it. You, so you have like like 64-bit, right? Yeah. 32-bit, 8-bit, right? Um, definition of like integers, essentially, which is exactly what it is. So you can bring, um, instead of instead of training the model with, with like 64-bit precision, you train it with 32-bit, or you, you train it with 8-bit, or you train it with like 4 or... Two, if you train it with two, you could end up with a model that's like two gigs in size, right? It'll fit in your most Apple watches right now. Now, <laughs> the output would be atrocious, but uh, yeah. probably better than Siri. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, in general, if you quantize down two, depending on the size of the model that you start out with from the start and the actual like architecture of the model, how good it actually is, the, like whatever job the, the data scientists who put the model together did, um, the quantization, like, either makes it like completely unusable if you bring it down too low or it brings it down um, to a usable level. So like the newest, um, a good example of this, I suppose, like I've not messed around with it yet, but the newest uh, Samsung Galaxy S, whatever flavor of the month it is now, yeah. um, they, they have Google's new Gemini model, which would be like a quant- It's on board, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, inbuilt in, in it. Now, like I said, I haven't used it. It might be terrible. It might be like, fantastic I don't know but um, that's that's essentially it right you're taking a model that's absolutely massive you're just making it smaller and smaller and smaller and like the, the technology and tooling in around this is getting mm. it's like on a day to day basis it's, 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 it, there's new stuff coming out every five minutes there's a new um, there's a new research paper that like brings forward the field by what would have seemed like a couple of years ago that would be like 10 years you know and then all mm. of a sudden it's like three or four papers and all of a sudden we've got like a whole new field of AI that's you know, that's it, that you're able to run an LLM on your phone like it's a, okay so I'm going to try and come up with an analogy here and I, because I like I like analogies mm-hmm. because it helps me to get complicated things clear in my head so uh, and correct me if and when I'm wrong so let's say there's a data set right and my, I, I'm going to use a human example and let's say the data set are the complete works Uh, all the complete Sherlock Holmes stories as written by Arthur Conan Doyle. There's a number of novels and there's a number of short stories, right? And I read these, actually, when I was much younger. I read all of them, okay? I have an internalised memory of all of those stories and all of those novels. And I know the general gist of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson and etc., etc. 
and I might remember some specific details. However, if you ask me what happened in this particular story, I won't remember that and I will have to go back to the original data set. Mm. So my internalised version of those stories is equivalent to a model. Would that be right? But the data set is all of the original stories in their original form and they're off out there. And then some. And and yeah, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, but yeah. but 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 we, I'm just talking about in this particular context, shall we say, right? A quantized version of that would be let's say it's because it's not the same data set. You can't I can't transfer my memories into you or your memories into me. But if over time I forget some of that stuff, I still might have some of the general gist of it, but I'm losing some of the fidelity of the detail as to what happened in a study in Scarlet, for example. It is that ish be more akin to to you um, being um, you won't being insult dr- me so <laughs> it'll be more akin to you being drunk whilst you read it right okay so you have less of a yeah, grasp yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of yeah, actually yeah, yeah. getting in the full information because you're just you're like senses are impaired or whatever you know um, maybe drunk isn't like drunk is probably a good example right so like it, yeah, you're not working to your optimal capacity, right? right. Oh yeah, so it's not even like even asking. I, I, let's say I'm sober. I remember all of this. Mm. I have a feed of pints and a few whiskeys or whatever it is. You might. I still have that knowledge there, but it's fuzzy. It's fuzzier. No, so be, now, no. It, now you had a feed of pints. Now you start reading it, and how much do you remember whilst you have a feed of pints? Okay. So it's like it's a slight subtle difference. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I think I get you. But yeah. it's like it's. You know, you could probably flake through that data set like after a few points, like with relatively little, um, you, you know, like hardship for yourself because you're like, right, you don't really care, right? You're having a few points, you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, but, but the how quality much isn't that, yeah, there. but the quality isn't there, yeah, yeah, right? I get so you, you. Can, you could probably go through more of it at a much quicker rate, but like, like I said, like the actual, like what you take in is not there, okay? So the quantization then could be, okay, I'm just gonna skim this. Mm as opposed to do a deep reading yeah, of it. Yeah, so yeah. To, to take the alcohol out of it. And Mark, you're reading, just because I don't want everyone to think that we're getting people drunk. Here. <laughs> okay, because that's a lovely like Irish stereotype. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, so that it, you're agreeing, that's kind of the way to think about the model and the quantization of the data set. Yeah, I'd reckon that's a, that's a good analogy. Uh, another one I could think of is kind of like, um, say, as a child, um, you know, you're learning, but it wouldn't be the... Uh, the level of comprehension would not be the same as I'm an adult now. I can read a piece of information and I could I could recall it back to you uh, pretty well uh, yeah. in comparison to how a child could A, comprehend it and B, give it back out to me. Okay. That's a much better example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even like... And these kids aren't drunk. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's better. Yeah, we're not bringing alcohol into it. Okay, I get that idea. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, okay. Right, so I'm going to ask you a, a kind of a bigger question. Mark, why would I want to do this? Why would I want to run a local large language model on my machine? If it's going to be computationally intensive, I'm probably going to have to download a large data set. Why on earth would I want to do that? Can I not just use ChatGPT? Well, I mean, uh, the way I look at it is... um uh, well, they're they're not exactly uh, huge either. Uh, it was like uh, I think the one I used today was four bit, um, and it was also I think three gigabytes in size, um, okay. and that ran relatively efficiently on my on my laptop. It might be different for other people, but um, I know on my computer at home 
it is actually a struggle to try and run any of these large language model the large language models um but <clears throat> why someone would go and interact with running these locally uh say there's data privacy uh, everything i would throw toward that model is all kept locally as again in the demo i was disconnected from the internet and it was able to uh dispel that information to me when I was asking it to write a Python script. Um, and not only that, it's like, so when you use ChatGPT, it's always constantly learning off of you. And so that information isn't exactly yours anymore. It's more, mm. it's ours, you know, kind of uh, situation. In a public model, like, or, or, or yeah. a, a, a model out there that we don't necessarily know how it works. I wouldn't even say it's ours. I'd say it's, it's like it's open, open eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's open, yeah, 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 it's yeah, open yeah, eyes it's model. Yeah. Here. There's a reason why the company valuation is like yeah. is where it is right now. Yeah. Uh, and realistically, it's probably Microsoft's. Like, yeah. So, so again, if I can go back to an analogy, let's say, for example, I wanted to set up an LLM for SETU, right? That, that, that I could use. Or maybe, let's just say for me, and we could extrapolate out to the organization, right? And let's say I had a lovely server sitting up in my office, which I don't, okay? I have an, old, I have an aging MacBook that I really need to, uh, needs updating because the fans are going nuts on it, okay? But let's say I had a decent server up in the room and I wanted to get uh, one of these local LLMs, uh, let's say LM Studio. Okay, and I downloaded the base model, but then I wanted to train that with or, 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 or tune that with some student information, which is private. I don't want it being publicly available. It might be things like grades or progress, but equally it might be sensitive information about like maybe a student has a medical issue or something like that, blah, 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 blah. But I want to be able to query it because I forget that that student has a medical issue and two years later they come to me with something and I'm just able to query ChatGPT or not ChatGPT, my LM Studio and oh yeah, they have this issue or whatever. Is that the kind of, to me, that sounds like a, 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 a reasonable use case. Does that sound fair? Uh, yeah, one, 100%. And uh, a tool like LM Studio actually mm. offers a, um, a kind of like a server endpoint. So um, I, I went through the example, you can have it running on your own hardware, LM Studio, with um, running a local inference server. And from there, you can ping it uh, just like with the ChatGPT API, um, mm. I think it gives you some examples too. Like it'll have a Pythonic way of kind of uh, talking to the um, to the LLM uh, through the server, all locally. Okay, so and you can you can imagine how that could be extrapolated out to any organization, any business. Right. So let's get into some of the kind of the questions that students ask. I can see why this would be beneficial. I can see I can see this as being a potential future for. Um, the way some generative AI might evolve over the coming years. Some of the student issues were kind of conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, like, what if they do this? What if they do that? What if it tries to rob a bank? Okay, which we won't get into. But there were issues about regulation. And that was brought up. And where do you think this is going? Because I know there's a bit of a scramble. There's a kind of an EU model or an EU viewpoint. There's a US model. There's a kind of a British model that is somewhere. Uh, I think the Chinese have a different model uh, or different view on this. So where do you think the regulation stands on this type of stuff? Um, so Dimitri's more deep into this. For uh, So that regulation is like a, it's a tough one, right? Because like w w at what point do you actually regulate it? Right now, like I kind of uh, mentioned earlier on, there's only a handful of like institutions that can actually do yes. any of the training and, and like have the expertise to, to create these models, like these base models. Um, so do we kind of 
try and regulate these models or these uh, or institutions, organizations, um, some of which are like the, the, the you know, like your Google's, uh, Meta's of the world, um, Mistral, which is a hmm. company based in um, based in Paris. Um, the, there's, but then there's other, other companies as well, like Falcon is one of the largest and top performing models out there. Um, and that is a Saudi state um, okay. paid for model. So like, for regulation to occur, um, we kind of need to know where you regulate it. Like, at what stage of the model lifecycle do you regulate? Do you regulate the actual creation of the data set? Do you regulate what, the, like, what the algorithm is? Do you like set some kind of a benchmark as to like if the model performs above this percent benchmarks, then you have to have X, Y, and Z tests surround it. Like, it's really, really difficult to to a kind of like figure out a kind of regulation surrounding it, but b if we do go like our like the push towards regulation, which yeah, it should definitely be uh, be regulated, but every then we need to have everybody sign up for it. So like, um, mm. every country needs to, and every country and every organization within every country, which like if you look at the world right now, like not every country kind of gets on with each other, right? So like trying to get them all to, um, to coalesce around a certain set of standards or ideas, um, which. Like in in a, in an industry that's worth this amount of money as it is right now, how are we going to do that? I don't know. We can hardly even agree on what's yeah. the best, what's the best coffee at the minute. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a difficult one. The 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 only kind of model that I know of um, that is it, like I I think I mentioned to you earlier, Rob, is like Adobe's Firefly image generation model is the data set that that's trained on and that's created from is. 100% owned by Adobe. They have like all of the um all of the IP surrounding mm. the, the data set. So like that's probably if I was to wager that's probably where it would go would be like data set creation. Um and this is why a ton of companies like Reddit for example, uh, all of a sudden yeah. like, they've turned off their APIs. Um they have data sets which they were just like letting open to the public. Anybody could could use like Reddit API and and and, and come up with anything. But now this is like gold, right? This is yeah. like a gold mine. So now you're going to have you th these companies are starting to realize that you're going to have to pay for for access to these data sets because just the the yeah, I suppose the amount of money that's that's involved. So yeah. regulation is a sticky yeah, sticky place. I mean, you're getting into a whole thing about intellectual property yeah. and how that's valued and protected. And I don't give get into that. I mean, I use my Sherlock Holmes example, right? Let, let's just even say I want to defeat uh, LLM. The works of Sherlock Holmes, they're all in the public domain. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. But let's say I want to defeat it, the works of Donald Ryan, who's still an author today. And he write me a story in the style of Do Donald Ryan. Uh, I, I, I would have a huge ethical issue with that. You know, or or whoever. just Or uh, Megan Nolan, because I'm reading her at the moment. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so taking their novels which is their intellectual property, feeding that into some sort of a, an LLM to then create something in that style. That's an issue. It is an issue, but also I'm just going to play devil's advocate. Oh, do go for it. Yeah, go for not? it. Um, is it that different to what we do as human beings? Like, so you're you're like sitting there and you're after naming yeah. out a couple of authors that you've read, right? So if you turn around in a couple of years time and Rob decides to, to write a novel based on whatever like your influences are going to be from the stuff that you have read already mm. right so like how different is, I know I understand obviously there's like the human biology part and then there's you know the machine and algorithm or whatever that we created but 
there are similarities there, right? They're like, they're most definitely. <clears throat> I suppose, right, again, playing devil's advocate here, yeah. right? And I'm going to use music as an example, right? Because it's a bit easier to get my head around a song and have a bit more experience with this. Uh, like the world of music, pop music in general is, everything is derived from everything else, mm-hmm. okay? But there's a kind of a progression. If But generally speaking, somebody has to have some sort of talent or work to create a piece of music. Whereas if I use one of the models and create a song in the style of Drake or the, there's the Johnny Cash one that's going around. Yeah, yeah. But any fool can do that. And I'm not seeing the artistry in that. Uh, and, and just from myself personally, do I really want to listen to that? Am I going to get any deeper understanding of the human condition from something that a machine has created? Maybe I will. Maybe I don't. But... But, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. It's, so, like, it's a philosophical question. It's kind of a yeah. yeah. So even from that, from that perspective yeah. as well, like I don't know if if it's currently possible. I doubt it is to like just say like give me a number one best selling song and, and the AI comes up with everything. You're gonna need to like give me a song based on like uh, in you know mm. with, with this amount of bars per beat or or whatever beats per bar, and then like these are the lyrics that I want you to put in it in the st- in the style of. X, Y, and Z. I think you know. Actually, maybe this other person would do a better uh, job at the the local harmonies or, mm. or so on and so forth. You're going to have to like really construct it together and know a thing or two about like music composition, which I obviously don't mm. <laughs> by my shoddy example there. But um, there is a certain like creative aspect to it. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying that like this is the way that I would like it to go. Um, either like I I, yeah. I've, I have no musical talent and I thoroughly like enjoy listening to to people's music. But like that's not to say that. I like at some stage in my life do I think like hey, here look I can't sing right my voice sounds like two bags of cats being bed together but like <laughs> if I was to <laughs> like if I would like yeah. still you know I might like fancy like myself as um as a lyricist right yeah. and I just don't have like I'm just not fortunate enough to be born with uh, you know the silky tones of I don't know uh, you know BB King so like yeah, I'm at a distinct disadvantage. I'll never create a BB King song because uh, you know I just don't have that. No, um, but you might create a Dimitri Saradaka song. Ah, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like nobody's yeah. going to want to listen to that. <laughs> How do you know? How do you know? Yeah. You know, I suppose these are these it's are the bigger questions. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know what the answer is, mm. and I'm not suggesting that I do. But my instinct is kind of veering away, certainly for creative works, uh, creative artistic works. But equally, at the other time, like, I mean, I, I spend a huge amount of my time doing what I call spreadsheet work, which is boring, menial tasks. If I can use an AI that might automate or speed that up, I don't have a problem with that because I don't. But if I want to create something, I don't necessarily sure I want to use it. Now, we're gone off topic from okay. talking about local LLMs there, but you know what I mean? Like, So if we were to, if, if I was to ask you a question then, Rob, would you mm. have an issue with, with an LLM coming up with um, novel science? If it was like to, um, uh, like to, to to I don't know, create a new drug. Let's say, for example, mm. all of a sudden we had an LLM that came up with some novel science based on previous works of art mm. that were carried out and done by humans. But the LLM now we have a cure for cancer. Is that do you do you have an issue with that creativity? I'm sure you don't. Well, right? no, 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 no. I wouldn't. But you see, it would still have to be tested. Oh, 100%, it, it, you, yeah. it wouldn't just go okay, off we go. That would then be taken, go through a rigorous scientific process, blah 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 blah. Uh, oh no, no, I can I can totally see that, yeah. but that's that's an inference of, of maybe multiple data points. To hey, there's this pattern here that maybe you haven't seen. Have a look at this, but it would have to be queried as well because this is the other thing that I think is misunderstood about about generative AI, is that they're not they're not kind of uh, self-starting generally speaking. Do you know what I mean? Like. 
they, they don't just take control and do things. Not yet. I'm no, not that no. I'm aware like, of, they're, like you when know. you boil it down, they're just a probabilistic machine. That's, yeah. that's all they are, right? It's like I'm predicting, the, like an LLM just predicts the, the, the probability that this next word is like fits mm. after the last word. That's that's all it is. Like like when you when you when you when, when you take any of those LLMs, that's that's one hundred percent what they are. There's a phrase used: a stochastic parrot. Yeah. I love it. I absolutely <laughs> yeah, love it, yeah, and yeah. I probably use it at the end of the time. Um, so unconscious of time. So I'm going to kind of feed you one last situation, and again, this is. I'm not trying to be alarmist or anything like that, but I'm 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 mindful of that we as humans need to have our own internalised set of uh, information and, and, and I suppose critical skills, uh, which we develop over time. And I don't just want to outsource everything to an LLM and say you don't need to learn anything going forward. Because first off, I'm an educator and th- I'm putting myself out of business. But also I believe in kind of that you need to you need to have your own critical faculties. Otherwise, you are just the stochastic parrot. So I want to give you a, a, an example. Uh, and this kind of will tie into the demo that you did, Mark, uh, in the auditorium earlier this morning. So uh, I had a first year class last semester uh, it's c- computer systems one. So it actually, you, you would you both would have done a version of this a number of years ago when you were here. So we did a, a lab, a Gen AI lab. Um, we were just kind of mucking about with some of the tools, you know, trying to show them in in a, in a, in a more I don't want to say controlled environment, but in a, a more directed environment. And one of the tasks that we did with the these first year students was get them to create a rock paper scissors game in Python using whichever Gen AI tool they wanted to use. Most of them used ChatGPT, a few of them used Bing, which is it's called Copilot now, but yeah. you know, I think that I, I don't think anyone else used anything else they might have, but that's what they did. Okay, and for most of them, what there were a couple of things that I took. Most of them it worked, they fired it into a into one of the Python tools. I think they were all using Trinket, uh, the online one, because there was nothing needed to be installed. And most of them worked. But there were there were two things that I kind of took away from it that were interesting. One was the variety of the results that they got, even from the same engine. It's so the same model backing both of those. So I, I asked ChatGPT, create me a rock, paper, scissors. You ask the same question and we get different results, ever so slightly different results. So that's, there's a certain randomness there that I think yeah. is kind of interesting. Okay. Um, and the second one was in, uh, I had that lab, I did that lab twice with two sets of first years and in both classes and there's about I'm going to say about 25 people in each room. It might have been 22, it might have been 26. I can't remember. Somewhere around that. There were a number of versions that didn't work and as I looked at the code I went okay well I can see why that works and actually in, in, in two of the examples I remember the issue was there was a stray exclamation mark which is legal syntax because strays uh, it, it, exclamation mark is often used as a not a logical not operator okay uh, and it was in the wrong place which was causing it to not work there was a couple of them where it was not compiling and I think I think there was lines commented out that shouldn't have been commented out. But again, that's just, uh, is it a hash symbol on yeah. Python? I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a, a stray hash symbol, which again is legal syntax, but it's just in the wrong place. And from a probability point of view, it's put this character in the wrong place. So I just thought that was kind of an interesting one because I was able to solve it by looking at it, not because I'm a t- particularly good programmer, but I, re- I have internalized certain coding rules I go oh I know that's your issue there we'll fix that and now suddenly it works but I'd wonder if, they, if it's the first years who didn't know this they're just looking at mm, not doesn't work yeah. you know so I, I just kind of interested to get your comments on that because like Mark you generated some Python based on your personal your, your internal local version of um, LM Studio and that's great because you know how to do that yeah um, but if you didn't it's just gobbledygook 
Yeah, exactly. And it kind of ties into um, uh, why you kind of already need to have an idea of what you want to ask. So, like, sure, I I know I know my way around Python, and yeah. um, I know exactly how to ask the question to the AI model. I want you to generate this Python using these libraries, exact uh, whatever whatever I'm looking for. But again, it might not give me a correct answer. It might give me something that kind of half works, but then I have to go in and I have to, I have to go fix it. It's like multiple times I've tried to, uh, I tried to uh, automate certain things that I'd normally do, like I moving uh, files from one directory to like a server and everything. And I'd be, I'd be looking to implement certain things. So I'd ask, hey, how would I do this? And then give me a answer back. Might not work, but then I could go in and I could play around with it, fix it further. Mm. But it gets you off that blank page. Yeah, it's kind of like it's in uh it's instead of starting at like zero, you're starting at I I guess halfway there almost. Um yeah. yeah. Uh and it's it's a better starting point when you're only doing it just to do a menial task anyway. Mm. Dimitri, your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, 100%. Um, like, you can't just... They do hallucinate, and they do hallucinate quite widely as well. Hallucination yeah. being the term used for, like, when a model just lies, right? Um, it's a nice, nicer term than lying. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> friendlier. Yeah, yeah, friendlier, friendlier. Um, but, yes, at the same time, you have to, like, be... Marcus said it really, really well there, when you kind of just, instead of starting on a blank page, you start to, like, 30 40%, 50%. Um, you have to be able to like to critically look at what the model has put out. You have to have like in the in the case of like the code example, you have to have your own um, knowledge of like the kind of fundamental coding um, uh, principles or whatever, so that you can actually spot what's going on and you can go off and correct it. Um, the other thing that we didn't touch on earlier. Um, and if we continue down the path of just trusting models left, right, and center, and whatever their output is, would be um, model collapse. Um, mm. and we don't have that much time, to, um, so I'm not going to go, go into too much detail. But no, but you can mention what it is because it's, it's a nice thing to think about. I'm not trying to be a doomsayer, but it is. Yeah. I know what you're getting out here now. Yeah, yeah. So if we, were, if you were to just trust. Um, whatever output of the model without like so if you didn't do any of your own kind of like um research or like you didn't do any of your own learning shall we say you didn't know how to code whatsoever and you just took whatever the model said for granted and did this over and over and over again um like did, okay let's let's bring it back to what actually model collapse is so like it, um the models themselves are trained from like like as we've already mentioned like vast swaths of data that's out there if human being if like human beings stop creating the data to feed these models so say for example instead of me going to like like it or not right now the world the internet is run by google's ad ad algorithm re realistically right so if you have a website <clears throat> you get paid to keep your website up online by google ads essentially right um or meta ads but like predominantly well, both of those companies so if if um someone instead of googling something and we know how how crappy Google has got at like answering your specific queries. It just sends you through reams and reams of ads mm. um, right now. But if it if we just asked it an LLM that and the LLM brought you the answer straight away, then you don't get the the ad revenue from your website for the for the clicks on your ad website. So what's the motivation for you to go off and continue to like create your your you know helpful website about like mm. um, Python code or about whatever it is that that is your discipline. 
Yeah. There is no kind of monetary solution out there. So in a world then when we're getting back to not being able to trust everything that an LLM comes out with, in a world where estimations are somewhere between uh, anywhere from 40 to 70 percent um, of uh, it could be anything realistically of the hallucinations are just are just that right they're just like down and utter lies if human beings stop producing quality information that's peer-reviewed or that's you know that you just mm. like actually checked you checked yourself um and we instead come, like uh, devolve i would use into a world where we only have data that's flawed inherently because of the the hallucinations that the llms have and this is the only data that's being created then we end up in a scenario where further models can only be trained on this already flawed data like in a downward spiral um and we all live in a mad wax world i know i know what you mean so, so there's kind of stagnation if we're if we're, if we're yeah. humans not still creating and moving forward everything just stagnates yeah we, we it would actually be worse than stagnating i would say because we're not actually moving the needle forward right yeah like what we've done like like my mother uh was around when there was no electricity right yeah like she's not that old and I'm not going to say how old she is because she'll kill me but, yeah. uh, <laughs> right, but like in the grander scheme of things like uh, hum- human kind of um, like, like humanity has moved at a really really rapid pace and that's true like innovation it's true um, research it's true like um, I suppose if you if you take like all of science you could um, together you could kind of look at it as like one single organism right like mm. everybody like the whole thing working together to collectively pull um, knowledge forward if we stop doing all of that because we're just relying on an LLM to give us the answer or based off what, like, 70% correct of what we we already know to date, then we stop, right? And yeah. we don't just stop the, the 30% of the factual or the non-factual stuff enters the data, enters the new data sets and it just drags the overall quality down. Mm-hmm. So not only do we not get better, but we actually, like, progress, progressively get worse. So. Yeah. Yeah. Or it'd be like asking, answering questions. Like if we, if our, if our our computing knowledge stopped at two thousand and four, yeah, and answering questions twenty years later based on data from two thousand and four or nineteen eighty four or whatever it is you're having yourself. And again, that's computing. We could apply that to any discipline, and, no and matter and what and it is. Every yeah. discipline, but yeah. also with thirty percent of that data being, being wrong. factually wrong. Yeah. Right? So yeah. then, like the next stage, then if you already start at thirty percent and you get thirty percent of the, of the, of the next batch subsequently like you're just down you're like it's, it's compound interest yes yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the tracker market is <laughs> excellent look yeah. um, Dimitri Mark thank you so much for your time today uh, you've been absolutely fabulous and Mark thank you for coming in and uh, chatting to, to to some of the current students uh, even though you're just an ex-student uh, barely a wet week yourself um, your card is marked you will definitely be back uh, if somebody wanted to find out more about you the kind of work that you're doing or, or, or hit you up for I don't know an interesting proposal uh, what's the best place to get you? Uh, for me anyway it'd be LinkedIn 100% uh, the easiest way to get get me just Mark Campbell Mark Campbell on LinkedIn Mark Campbell on LinkedIn there. Yeah. Okay and Dimitri yourself Me same as Dimitri Saradakis uh, If you can't spell it Yeah you probably can't uh, Yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll, put, I'll, put, I'll put links in the, ah, the show notes. notes for this here as well Excellent. So you Yeah know, so, so Dimitri Saradakis on LinkedIn as well Yeah I don't do anything with the rest of the social media yeah, so and They're all evil And your mental health thanks <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay lads thank you so much Thanks for your time And we'll talk to you soon Rob thanks so much Thanks for, for having us Pleasure uh, 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Machine. If you liked it, please leave us a glowing review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps us to grow the audience and it also makes me feel good. Will we have another episode tomorrow? Who knows? I'll see what I can do. In the meantime, you should find some links in the show notes to where you can find out more about Dimitri and Mark. And I'll also include some links to some of the tools that they referenced during the conversation. Okay, schlange voll.